Happy Sunday evening, everybody. It was a lovely, lovely day of services. Uh, the 9, 11, 1 o'clock, uh, just wonderful, wonderful uh, service. Just so many lovely people. And third service, we had a chance to uh, have the owner of the pizza cookery. Mm-hmm. And she was there. And then when we announced it in all three services, the line, they packed the place out. I so drove God by. bless I you all for doing it. the door. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, we had BSF Jim, uh, mm-hmm. Lindsay and Josh um, Cohn, and, and they, they're struggling to put it all together. Listen, folks, we, we showed the videotape of all the shuttered businesses in our, in our city, and we're going to be doing around the county. And there's far more than what we videotaped on Sunday. It's tragic what's taking place. And at this point, uh, with the lockdowns happening in Los Angeles, and thankful that our sheriff here in our county is not enforcing it, neither is a sheriff in L.A., but this, this 10 p.m. curfew... And they're coming to steal the livelihood of all these these citizens, and it's it's just it's unconscionable. And so we're going to push back. However, tonight uh, we're going to talk about some serious stuff. But I have been waiting for this guy to come oh. on the program. Uh, Jurgen is uh, Pastor Jurgen is one of these guys that I didn't know who he was. He drove up to come and see us, and uh, participate in a service. He's down in San Diego. He oversees a number of campuses, and he went back, opened up his church. And this guy is bigger than life. And I, I've heard him preach, and he's so good. And uh, I'm just so thankful through this, that the silver lining and all this heartache is I get to I have the chance to meet such amazing people like Jurgen and then Samuel Duth and all the folks from Awakened Church down in San Diego. What an amazing group of folks. Before I bring uh, Jurgen on, I want to say one last thing. It's a big thank you to all of you. I think we're rapidly approaching 16,000, 17,000 subscribers yeah. on a YouTube that less than a year ago we had... 20 subscribers. Yeah. And that's all been you guys. And you've pressed that subscribe button. You hit the bell, which I'm grateful for. And, and here's the thank you to all of you. Um, I, I just, from a friend of mine, I just was instructed because they do analytics. I don't see it. They texted it to me. My numbers guy. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just hit over 1 million views, 1,030,000 views, all because of you guys. You've told people about it. We don't advertise. We don't monetize. Uh, we just, people are looking for truth and you've tuned in and you've been unbelievably supportive. And I, I wanted to th- say thank you to all of you and across the country, um, and cards and letters that you've written. And we don't ask you for anything, but yet you support and bless. And uh, just a big thank you to all of you. So uh, as a big well, thank you, yeah, you're going to well, I was just going to say, if you missed the service today, there was a big treat. I think, would you get extra... 50,000 Instagram followers. I, I think they're expecting more than what you gave at service today. So What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, All your extra Instagram followers as a result of your, your little dance uh, today. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little flack for that. We did, I did a strip tease at the first service, yeah. second service, and third service. If you're bored, check it out. Just, just request more. Yeah, whatever. No, it's not going to happen. All right, let's get let's get to our special guest because it's Sunday night and we're yeah, lagging. Yeah. And and you Jurgen's had home. a break because I think he was in Utah. I don't know if he preached this Sunday, but he is bigger than life. I, you, I I can't wait for him to tell you his story. It's amazing. Please welcome my dear brother in the Lord, Jurgen Matesius. He is phenomenal. There he is. Hey, buddy. Can you hear us? Hey. Hey. Right. <laughs> Uh, I, I I hope we have this connection right because you faded out on that last one. We've been scrambling. He, you've put me on the edge on a number of occasions by checking the Skype connection so late. I, I'm just getting over my heart racing. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. I can hear you perfectly. What about uh, you? Can you hear 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the last word cut out, but we're doing all right. So, hey, listen, I want everyone to hear the story about your father, um, about how you immigrated from actually East Germany, Australia, or New Zealand, Australia, United States, and now you're a United States citizen. And you were part of Hillsong, Assemblies of God, uh, C3 churches. You're on the kind of the cutting edge of the charismatic side. Uh, you, you possess more of that than, than I do. I mean, Calvary chapels believe the gifts are for today, but we keep them in the closet. You know how that is. Um, but you're getting, you're, your congregation is young and dynamic and beautiful and kind and all of that. And then here you go and throw a wrench in the system to push back and open your church. And where, where does this inspiration come from in regards to your father why this is so important to you, all of that. There's a story there, and I just, I, just, I just want to push it and let it go. Run. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Rob. First of all, you know, you're a hero and inspiration, and like you said in your opening remarks, one of the positive, one of the great things that's come out of COVID lockdown was we had the privilege of driving up to your amazing church to hear you and to build a friendship and relationship that we might have just been so busy doing our thing and your thing, we would have never crossed paths. So I really Amen. thank God for that. But, um, yeah, you know, what's really interesting, and I, I think I might have told you when I was little, I remember we migrated to from Germany to Australia when I was three. And all I remember is Dad told me that, uh, you know, there was a severe winter, he couldn't put food on the table, and everyone said that Australia was the land of opportunity, so we moved there. Uh, when I was about five or six, I remember the Olympic Games were on and we were watching the Olympics. And, and all I knew was my dad was uh, German and I was born in Germany. And so when I saw Germany in the Olympics, uh, whenever they would win a gold or a silver medal or a bronze medal, I would cheer. But I didn't know that there was a, the, a difference between there was the uh, the FDR, the Federation of the, the German Democrat Republic, and then there was the, the, the Germans. Uh, where I was born in the West, it was the East and the West. And and I remember this one time, I'm only a little kid, and my dad had quite an anger issue anyway, but I remember standing up because I thought our team, Germany, won, but it was the East Germans, and this venom came out of my dad. So as I got older, I, I began to push and began to ask. My dad was born on East in East Germany in 1943, and as you know, 1945 was the end of World War II. Well, part of the, the peace treaties and part of the negotiations at the end of World War II between Europe and the alliance, uh, you know, the allied forces and everything was that Russia basically put a line right down the middle of Europe and it became the United Soviet Socialist Republic and East Germany, Poland, Czechoslovakia, everything fell on that side. And unfortunately, my dad uh, ended up in East Germany, communism, atheism. At 18, they had where you subscription where you had to go conscription had to go into the military, and after one year of training, my dad was posted as a soldier on the wall. One night, someone was escaping. Dad said they always switch the guards. So on this particular night, he had the rifle, and the other guard was operating the the, the spotlight. And when the guy was caught in the in the the barbed wire, uh, they were saying she's the she's the, which means shoot him, shoot him. And my dad refused to shoot him. So then they put my dad into a holding cell where he was in there for just over two months where they were interrogating him every day because they felt that he was disloyal to the regime because he refused to shoot someone who was 
uh, obviously wanting to escape from the haven that is socialist communism and go over to the enemy, which was capitalism. And my dad assured them, no, he was just, you know, never taken a life before, and that's what it was. Well, he comes out of there, and he, he asks his best friend to help him. He's had enough of, of East Germany communism. He, he would stand on the wall, and he said it, and they were always brainwashed that, that communism was the way and capitalism was greedy and evil. He said, yet every Christmas and every Easter, they would stand at the wall, and students would come with their teachers from the West and they would throw candy. Candies like you'd never seen with wrappers that were bright pink and reds and crimsons and oranges. And, and they weren't allowed to touch it. They were, they were touched it. They, they were severely punished. But he, he looked around and when no one was looking, he would put some of these candies in his pocket. He'd get home and he said they had the most exquisite taste. It couldn't get anything like it on the East. And he said, well, how bad can the West be when these people, they're not, they're not selling this. They're, they're throwing it away like they've got it. <laughs> Yeah. And we get this stuff here. And so he told his best friend, he said, listen, I've had enough. Would you drive me down at midnight? I, I know the safest route at that time, what's least uh, guarded. And his best friend at that time said, absolutely, I'll do that. Five minutes to midnight, from 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 all the spotlights light up his little one-bedroom apartment. And, uh, and he's thinking, what is that? And he walks out and the Stasi, which was, you know, the, the East German, you know, basically uh, – equivalent of Gestapo, right. and they put him in a gulag, they put him in a concentration where he was there for about two years. And, uh, and he said he knew the only way to get out of there was to pretend that he was just young, delusional, angry, misguided, that Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx, they're revolutionaries, why would anybody want to go to the West? So he did that, and it took him two years to convince them through lying that, that he was not going to defect. The night they let him out, he didn't go back to his home. He had nowhere to go. He just turned around and ran across the minefield. Mm. He was going to get out of Germany communism one way or another, and uh, so he ran across the minefield, got a little bit cut up through the barbed wire, the razor wire, so he had a few scars. But he went as far as he could from Berlin. He went as far south as he could to Baden-Württemberg, where I was born, in the Black Forest in Tuttlingen. You couldn't get much further away. So, so my dad had a very, very strong uh, reaction to socialism and communism. And even today, uh, his political commentary is unbelievably accurate on the stuff that's going on. Yeah. even now in America, right around the world. And he's saying that what he saw firsthand was socialist communism destroys, it robs freedom. And his, his saying to me was, whenever you see government increase, freedoms decrease. Yeah. And when freedoms increase, government decreases. But he says, but nobody in government wants their authority to decrease. He said, that what, that's what makes America so unique because our founding fathers set up to have limited government so people could have maximum freedom. Well, yeah. you, your, your dad makes it, he, he saw an advertisement for a tile setter, I think it was, or plumber, I can't remember what. And so you guys yeah. end up uh, in New Zealand first and then Australia? No, Australia. They sent me to New Zealand after I finished Bible college because okay. I stopped. Well, well when, when, you, when you get to Australia, uh, you, you guys emigrate there. And uh, they got socialized medicine. And so you guys are high on the hog. I mean, you'd come kind of impoverished. 
your dad, tile setter, trying to make a living in Germany, finds the sunshine of Australia and the free healthcare, and and now we're watching. It's almost militant in Australia what they're doing to their citizenry there. Uh, they, th- it, it's probably the worst I've ever seen what they're doing, and uh, the government is in complete control. It, it doesn't strike me as anything of freedom. And you're over there, and you're enjoying this free health care. And, you know, you're, you're with surfers all the time down in San Diego. You're a surfer, and guys come up to you with your cool Australian accent, and they're like, dude, you know, free health care, socialism, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and you talk to them, and you, you've had experience with free health care. Uh, you want to share about that? Yeah, you know, two really quick stories. You know, the first one is I'm 53. My mum died at 58. Mm. Died at 58 because uh, when she hit 52, she, she went into menopause. Now, because it's free healthcare, uh, basically they use you as guinea that They don't admit that. But basically any drug that comes out, you're, it's free. It's it's free medic. It's free healthcare. So they put my mother on a, a menopausal drug that eighteen months later they ripped off the market. They couldn't get it off the shelves quick enough because the side effects were uh, the calcification of the brain, which is the, uh, the the acceleration of things like dementia and Alzheimer's. At fifty four, my mother went through a stop sign at the bottom of our street, and she'd been going through that stop sign for almost twenty years. She worked at the bakery just down the road. She would drive down the hill. I mean, you can do it in autopilot. She went through the stop sign. People, the eyewitnesses there said it was like she was just blanked out. She went head on into another car, ended up in the hospital. Thank God she lived at that moment. And they said, look, she's got some head injuries, but, you know, she's going to have some amnesia but because of the head injuries, but her memory will come back. Her memory never came back. At 55, one year later, 55, they put her in. Uh, an aged care home, a nursing home, they call them down under. She was the youngest person by 22 years. The, the next youngest person in there was 77. She was 55. The, the nurses came up to us crying, saying, this is this is just inhumane that someone at 55 should be in, a, in, a, in an institution like this. Every now and again, her memory would come back. And, but the saddest thing is she died at 58 of... Uh, Alzheimer's and dementia with the calcification of the brain. She would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. Sometimes she would remember who she is and wonder why she was there. And one night she rolled out of a bed and broke her clavicle and broke her nose. And, and I went to see her. And for about the first 20 minutes, we were able to converse. And, and then all of a sudden she just uh, went blank. And she's like, who are you? What do you want with me? Who are you? Why are you here? And she just freaking out. And it was the most horrendous thing because in her last year, I visited her visited her about three or four times. Not once could she recognize who I was. She was panicked. She was fearful. She died alone at 58, but at least it's free health care. Mm. Hmm. My, my dad had Alzheimer's, Jurgen, and he had it for 15 years. I, I know the pain of not being recognized by the person you love deeply. I'm sorry, man. It, so that, I, and that, that tag, at least it's free, is biting. Yeah. yeah. I, inter- I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Sorry. Well, my, my, then my younger brother, um, we, you know, being German, we grew up, soccer was kind of, you know, our sport. And so uh, he was a great little soccer player and he, he joined an indoor soccer club and tournament and uh, they, were, they were in the, the, the finals and they 
basically indoor soccer it's you know it's it's usually at an arena that that uh starts at about 6 p.m once everyone's finished work 6 p.m yeah. and the last game kicks off around about 9 10 where he was in the last game of that night the next week was going to be the finals and so they had to win well at about 9 30 he's he's running down the sideline with the ball and uh, a guy slide tackles him and snaps his tibia and fibia mm-hmm. and he's obviously in excruciating pain 945 they the ambulance arrives by the time they get him to the hospital 15 by the time they get him through all the paperwork remember all of this is free it's 1045 well 1045 all the doctors are gone home. there is no doctor but there is a fourth year medical student and so because it's free you don't get to your doctors you don't get to you don't get any say you're you've got a broken leg and it needs to be repaired and so the best that we've got on hand is for the medical student so instead of joining his his uh tibia to the fib, uh, tibia to the tibia and the fibia to the fibia they joined the tibia to the fibia put it in a cast and then for three months they get a really high pain threshold for three months he was like i'm thinking man, he's like a little baby. like he's Constantly moaning and whining about the agony and can't sleep and just excruciating pain. Well, no wonder, because he had two bones that, that were going into to nothing. Well, at the end of three months, they take the cast off. He takes a step and the leg just completely snapped again. So now, because, you know, the bones calcify after three months, they have to take a bone out of his hip. He's got a big scar and a hole in his hip where they put it into his shin. Now his shin's got a big lump in it. And uh, to, to put it together, and when people suggested, gosh, that, I mean, look at your leg. Your leg looks deformed. The pain that you went through with your hip and everything else, sue the hospital. And when he inquired, you know, an attorney said, who do you think's got deeper pockets, you or the government? And so you can't sue, but, hey, it's free. <laughs> it's so biting. I mean, <laughs> it's story. free. And, 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 and yet it's still not free. Somebody's paying for it, and what you're getting is awful because yeah. uh, government gets bigger and we get smaller. Mm. And, and now we're on the precipice of we, we have a governor who's shutting down our businesses, and uh, we, we took a drive through our city. We showed videotape. Well, there's one shopping center that used to be vibrant called the Lakes. It's just it's a ghost town. Uh, the coffee bean and tea leaf shut down. All, all these vibrant businesses just less than a year ago are gone, and and they're pulling another stunt with even more draconian, tyrannical measures that are going to wipe out the the last remaining folks. And and we have a couple of brave people that are standing in the pizza cookery, BSF Fitness. And listen, if there's any other um, you know businesses out there that are going to defy the governor's orders and not use masks and just fully open. Let us know who you are. We'll send everybody out to frequent your business. But, but this is what's happening. And can you warn folks? Because your dad fled. You've, you've experienced socialization, with, uh, socialized medicine and socialism, which is the road to communism. And that's, that's really what's happening in Australia. They're shutting them down. They're pushing them on this road. And, and why, why are you doing what you're doing, Jurgen? I mean, you've opened up all your campuses. You've you've defied the health officers in San Diego. You're you're amazing, and and and, all, and it's it's a young movement that you're part of. But you had to step away from C three and everything else. Fill everybody in on the cost, but but also yeah, the, we, the motivation. 
Yeah, you know, we, we, we lost we lost a lot of relationships because um, you, you don't realise it. You don't realise how um, controlled you are by by the government when you come under it. Uh, I remember sitting at breakfast with uh, my wife's older sister and sitting across from the table at this a number of years ago in Australia, sitting maybe two tables away was a family that had um, uh, a, a child that was mentally disabled. And I'll never forget my wife's older sister says, oh, you know what the government should do? The government should give everybody that's mentally disabled a dog. And I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, like when I lived in Australia, that's how I used to speak because you've just you, – you're so browbeaten every day that you just come to accept your captivity, that, oh, the government should do this and, that you know, the government really ought to do – that they've already yielded all their freedom. Government should, and I thought, and so I remember just saying, "Why don't you start a business where you breed dogs, and instead of the ones that you know don't aren't wanted that are getting put down at the shelters, we train them and we give them like one." And it was like anathema. It was like, "Oh, why would I do that? Like, that, isn't that the the government will take care of us?" And so when I saw that creeping in here. Uh, it did cost us, it cost us, sadly, 20 years of relationships with people because, you know, they just thought that you're just being extreme. You are, you're so American. I bet you probably own a gun, which I do. I own three. And, um, a Glock for the flock. <laughs> exactly. But, but they, just, they just don't understand the freedoms. And, uh, and my dad is, you know, has really been very, very vocal in saying that, just before um, Hitler got into power, they had lockdowns. They had shutdowns. In fact, they relished in bankrupting the economy so that he could, Adolf Hitler could ride in with these new policies, new procedures, so that he could be the savior to save the economy, you know, and win people's trust. And so he's like, man, you know, he's telling me exactly what they did you know, 80 years ago in Germany, they're doing again right here, right now in the United States of America. And there's no evidence at all that shutting down businesses uh, stops COVID. When you think about it, this goes all the way back to March 12th. And yet here we are. Oh, there's a second spike. There's a second wave. Quick, we've got to lock everything else down again. Well, we locked everything down. It was going to be 15 days to flatten the curve. And yet all these years later, here we are. So all these months later, here we are, you know, having to, to lock down again. Well, if the, if the lockdown worked and if shuttering businesses work, well, then, then why are we back here? So it's obvious that the shuttering of businesses does not work except right. it gives the government leverage over the... Well, and, and these business owners are middle class and they're property owners. Uh, and if you can get rid of them... Uh, then, then you have no voice. You just they, they now control all the means of production, and uh, and you're watching as Amazon's profits are going through the roof, and and uh, all, all these you know Costco yeah. and everybody else as the mom and pops. And these were the stores that you used to go to to get your little league support and your you know Girl Scout help, and and they would be the ones that would give you a you know a, a gift. Local businesses, and now they they've just been shuttered while these enormous you know conglomerates have wiped out america and 
they're lock, stock, and bet, uh, lock, stock, and barrel with the the government and You're destroying just transferring us. that wealth. Yeah, from it's the all small it's all being transferred all the way to the big one. What what was it like when you went over to New Zealand? Was it any difference from Australia? Was it the same type of format of government and free free healthcare? Yeah, you know, New Zealand unfortunately now is the way they they have got they have got the most radical socialist. Crazy. I mean, New Zealand's at the point now where the Prime Minister laughs that if you don't take the vaccine, they'll just leave you in, you know, their reorientation camp, which is like a concentration camp, until you take the vaccine. And uh, you don't submit, it, they'll just keep you in quarantine indefinitely. And she's laughing. This is get everyone to take the vaccine. And uh, we, we did see in New Zealand there was, you know, a higher tax for more government care. And uh, one of the saddest stories about, about New Zealand, if I can just talk about that, is, we, you know, we were pastors in a really poor area, very low socioeconomic area, and we had a lot of the, the Maori, Polynesian, the indigenous people, and that they, they, are the, they make up the voting base, unfortunately, because they're the most heavily populated, but they're also the highest on welfare. And that's... What you see with the Bernie Sanders and the, the Democrat Party with the free stuff, they know that one, they can get people hooked on free stuff. You deserve it. We're going to tax the rich and give it to you. But obviously we take a massive fat cut and buy, you know, fly everywhere on private planes in between, getting it to you from the rich. Um, you'll be dependent upon us uh, and we will win every, every, every election, every cycle. So in New Zealand, I had this this young lady who was on my Ashes team. She got saved. She had a couple of kids. She was a little bit of a, a troubled woman. She had two kids to do two different men. Neither of them were her husband. Anyway, she's sitting at church, and we're teaching, you know, like biblical economics, how to break the cycle of poverty and how to get ahead. That one of the, one of the great uh, hallmarks of prosperity and blessing is for you to have um, own your own home. Yeah. You know, private home ownership to own land and that every nation around the world where you're, you have the ability to own your own land, to own property, it's the number one defining factor of wealth. So she comes up to me in church and she's so excited. She's head usher on our, uh, early Sunday morning service and she goes, Pastor, Pastor, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I just want you to know. Uh, I'm going to be buying a home. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. I said, I had no idea you were saving. She goes, oh, I wasn't saving, but I'm pregnant with baby number three. I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't even realize you were in a relationship. She goes, oh, I'm not. And I'm like, well, well, help me. She goes, well, in New Zealand, as a single mom, once you are pregnant with or once you have a third child, you qualify for this level of social security you you qualify for this level government will now pay 75 percent of your housing be it rent or mortgage and there's a there's a, a welfare company like equivalent to the aclu in new zealand that gets uh single moms or low-income people into a house so she goes so they approved me for a home they've approved me they're going to pay 75 percent of my mortgage best thing i ever did was went out and got pregnant so literally she went out, just was having one night stand with, with guys to get pregnant so she can buy a home, thinking that she was fulfilling the will of God. 
And it's, it's, it's what we see in the Bible where it talks about causing your son and daughter to pass through the fire to Moloch. So in other words, I'm going to get my child, sacrifice my child for my financial prosperity or my financial blessing. And it was, it was my eyes open and I saw, oh my gosh, this is a 21st century version of what the Bible condemns where we use our children, we sacrifice our children. Like these three little boys grew up without a daddy in their life and the youngest one was used as leverage for mum to be able to have a home. Like it was just unbelievable. And so what welfare did, like um, I used to be a chaplain in one of the local high schools and I remember, um, you know, preaching on vision, casting vision. There was a 16-year-old girl, I mean, beautiful, bright, sweetheart. And she said to me, low self-esteem, broken home, she said to me, why even bother? Why even bother having a vision? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave school at 16. I'm going to get pregnant. You can make $35,000 a year as a single mom. Why would I bother to go to university and then have to go through the rejection of job interviews when I can just go out, get pregnant, and make 35 grand a year, buy a car? And so they literally, the New Zealand welfare system literally was crippling its people while the, the prosperous and business owners were paying high taxes the government could build their their welfare bank now they voted a woman who was the first one in the western world to bring in that it is now legal to have post-birth abortion with dealing by it evil you're going uh with your dad now he as i recall he's not a, a real churchgoer per se or and he was probably very disillusioned because uh where you know where was the church in Germany under Hitler? They just folded, and of course he was born in '43. But uh, I'm sure he heard, and especially when they sealed the border, and 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 the church just if you study the history, the the church was content to yield everything to Hitler. And the the verse they used over and over again was Romans 13, and he comes in, and and it was less than nine percent of the population that was Nazi. And they devastated the entire country. And not only were over 6 million Jews incinerated, but 50 million people died around the world. And the church was silent, with the exception of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Martin Niemöller and a handful of others from the Confessing Church. And, and in Australia, what's the church doing? How are they responding to this? Are they, are, are they the... Are they the clarion call of liberty? Are, are, they, are they declaring it? Are they standing steadfast in the liberty for which Christ has set us free? What, what is their role in Australia? What's Hillsong doing? You know what? The saddest thing is Australia had, uh, they, they've already, a long time ago, I think once you start taking socialized health care, it's, it's once you start taking free stuff, it's very, very hard to have any moral authority against the person that you've taken all this free stuff for. And, uh, and sadly, uh, honestly, if, if we don't fight right now to have uh, this election, the fraud removed and the legitimacy of this, then America is the last nation standing. If, if, if we, England's already gone, you know, Germany just passed a law that government now has authority over the churches. 
I've got friends in Germany. In fact, I've got one friend who's who just pioneered a church, church in the town where I was born in Tuttlingen, Germany, just sent the saddest text message saying that the government officials have now rewritten their constitution, that churches are now subject to the government and because of COVID, they're not allowed to operate. So, so Germany, the Netherlands, you know, all through Europe, the, the European Union, it's government and what we're seeing in America play out is literally Donald Trump is one of the last nationalists standing against the globalist regime as an agenda. They've already got in January 2021 in Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum has already ushered in the global reset. Uh, George Soros, Bill Gates are, you know, are in that and the mandatory vaccine. And uh, we know from Bill Gates, he, he wants to uh, control the world's population. There's there's too many people on the planet for his liking. And one of the ways that we can do that is through through vaccinations. So, you know, unfortunately, Australia's gone. New Zealand's gone. Most of Europe's gone. It is America. And they, they're trying to steal this election so that they can remove America, get rid of that petty constitution of ours, rob us of our freedom. And I'm telling you, I cannot see it if... if uh, if, if we don't have a ve uh, election integrity here and Trump have his second term, that he won in a landslide, then uh, unfortunately I can't see it going any other way than a civil war. Yeah. You're gonna, it, it's late. You've been working all day, and, and I, I know we're all tired. But I, I do want to ask you, and, it, and I know folks will be inspired by this. You've, you've got a, a really vibrant young congregation um, and, 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 and that's not shocking to me that your, your administrative style and your organizational style attracts that. You're visionary and you're outgoing and you're funny and you're gregarious and kind. And now you, you open up and the fear is your, your church will shrink, you'll come under litigation, uh, you'll come under ridicule, your giving will drop off. Has that happened to you guys? You know what? Honestly, it's been the exact opposite. We, uh, after being so inspired by you, I just we were just determined that, you know what, August 23 is our 15th birthday in the NAF. It was meant to be 15 uh, days to flatten the curve. It ended up being, you know, weeks and weeks, months and months later. So we just, we're opening up. We've, we've been, now we've had five cease and desist, five of them. Today they threatened us with a twenty five hundred dollar fine. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it's O Y S. You can blow it out your shorts. <laughs> bye bye. And take the fine and keep church open. And just like you, Pastor Rob, the amount of people that we have seen, the amount of people that helped. Just one email that came in the last week was a police officer in our church, been in the police force for 14 years when the BLM riots happened at Antifa and George Floyd and all that kind of stuff, and the hate, the defund police, this person said that they began to become suicidal, wondering it's probably too late for them to change their career path. Have they wasted their life? Are they on the enemy lines? And was contemplating taking their life, and then they came to church where they were loved and when. When, and they didn't want to tell people they were a, a police officer. But when somebody found out, they came up and said, God bless you, thank Amen. you, thank yeah. you. We support the blue. We, and they said it was the game changer. They said they might not be here today. 
probably would have ended their lives had they not walked into the church. And we keep hearing that story again and again and again. How wicked of a governor to say, hey, you know what, a strip club, hey, they're exempt, they can stay open, they're essential, but the church, you don't support any, any, any or you don't serve any essential function. Wow, you know, COVID, last time I checked, was a, was a physical symptom. We're not shutting down the hospitals for COVID. Why would we shut down the hospital? Because remember, church is in a hotel for, uh, for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Yeah. And mm-hmm. last time I checked, um, the hospitals aren't dealing with the mental, emotional, spiritual, familial, you know, paternal, but it's the church that's dealing with all of those other, all of those other things that are impacted during these lockdowns. And we, you know, just the amount of people, like just before COVID, we had between 18 and 20 people in our recovery, drug recovery program. It's a great program. We have over 150 now. Mm. From 18 to 20 to 150 people have relapsed into drug addiction and alcohol addiction. I hope with having their, their economic opportunities and the isolation and the devastation. And that's not even to talk about the abuse and everything else. So so I just find, honestly, as, as a shepherd that genuinely loves the people more than I care about my safety or my social media status, I find that I, I cannot shut down. And if, and if nobody turned up um, but the people who are broken, then, hey, you know what, knock yourself out, we'll do that. We Amen. get free options. Hey, you know what, if, if you're not feeling well or you don't feel comfortable – Watch online. We've also got outdoors. You know, you, if you want to come, we've got a tent set up out the front and you've got fresh air. But for those that say, hey, we want our freedoms, and for those that say we need an encounter with God, and for those that we want a fellowship with other believers, we want to have engaging and uplifting praise and worship and hear a life-giving message, then come on into our auditorium. We spent over hundred grand on polar ionization units so that we got the, the, the uh the most pure air in all of San Diego. I'm tell, trying to tell everybody the safest place to be on a Sunday morning is in our campuses. Same yeah. with us. And, yeah. yeah. So so that's our story. But again, Rob, uh, I've I got to be honest. We found our courage when we saw what you were doing and who you are. So thank uh, I'm I'm rubber. Your glue bounces <laughs> off me, sticks to you. Jurgen, you, let's close with this. Tell the story about the, the uh, Marine. Oh. Uh, you Devast- came. You, you came to the. You came to God speak. You went back, determined to open up. You yeah. go back. Yeah, we we go back, and you know, uh, we 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 honestly like you. Anybody that puts on the uniform, we are so grateful. You know, freedom isn't free. Amen. And uh, these people quite often come. Back. Um, they they might not have physical scars, but they definitely have them emotionally, and and PTSD is is very very real. Yep. Well, this particular Marine who had served for a number of years now was a civilian, had a business that was shuttered, absolutely shuttered by these lockdowns. So because of that, he didn't know how to cope. And unfortunately, the church was the church was closed, you know, by, by the government. But what was open was liquor stores, marijuana dispensaries, casinos, strip joints. So he reached for what was closest to him, which just happened to be alcohol. And unfortunately, alcohol more often than not brings out the worst in people, and it brought out the worst. So he, be, you know, became abusive and angry. And so his his girl said, "You know what? This is not what I signed up for. I'm moving out." He now had no income, no hope, no love, 
And so he decided, I'm going to get my gun, put a bullet in the chamber, put it in my mouth and pull the trigger. He pulls the trigger and the, the, the bullet doesn't come out. So he reloads it, sees a bullet in the chamber, puts it in his mouth, pulls the trigger and screams and the bullet doesn't come out. The phone rings, it's his dad. He picks up the phone, his dad says, son, I've had you on my heart. I went to this church on Sunday called Awaken Church. Changed my life. You got to come with me. You got to come with me. So he puts the gun down, goes to church. First hand to go up and get saved is him. He comes down on the altar. He's weeping on the altar. He goes home and he puts, he points the gun at the, at the potted plant, pulls the trigger and boom, the whole thing explodes. There was nothing wrong with the gun. It was gone. He tells his girlfriend, she doesn't believe him. It takes him four days to convince her from Wednesday night to Saturday night. He kept convince her, just come with me to church. Come, you've got to see this church. She comes to church. Both of them come again on the Sunday. He rededicates his life with her. You know, everything's changed. They're going to get married. Like but it was a life saved. It was, it was again, someone suffering that if the church wasn't open, the strip clubs can't help yeah, him. No. The liquor stores can't help him. The casinos can't help him. The marijuana dispensaries can't help him. Only the church does that. So we've had that story again and again and again with you. And so that's why bring on your, 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 your freaking ceases and stick us with your fines and our violations. We're going to stay open. Because, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, the apostles where Peter says, you judge for yourself. Do we obey men or do we obey God? We're obeying God. Let's just go back to Romans 13. Uh, Hebrews 11. I was just reading this the other day. Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Moses' parents hid Moses. So, so Jochebed and Amram defied the law of the land defied the governor, defied Pharaoh's edict to throw their baby in the Nile River. And the Bible calls that faith. Faith was a defiance. Faith was saying we're obeying God Amen. in rebelling against the law of the land. And the Bible talks that about faith. So don't give me your Romans 13, coward, hey, just bow your knee, just accept whatever. Read your Bible in context. When you take one scripture from here and it contradicts other scriptures there, Guess what? Your doctrine's in error because the yep. Bible is flawless. If something yep. contradicts, you better go back to the drawing board. And Hebrews 11, I think it's around about verse 12, it tells us that the Bible calls rebelling against an ungodly edict coming down from a governing authority, it calls it faith. Amen. We want to put faith in people. Hmm. Uh, so tomorrow night, Jurgen, and you need to get her uh, at your church, um, Dr. Shawn A. Anderson. And she, yeah, she, she's amazing. And she's going to be on our program tomorrow night. And she, early on, we were talking about the emotional and, and psychological ramifications of this tyranny and what it's doing to our community. And I'll close with this. Um, third service today, we had three, nine, 11, one. Third service, I'm walking out. There's a woman weeping in the foyer. I go, what's wrong, dear? And she just opens up. She said, I was at the first service. I, I felt convicted. I, I, I. I wanted to take my life. I didn't want to live anymore. Uh, I closed my business. My family's been devastated by it. I feel like I've done the wrong thing. Should I open my... And, and she's just distraught. And she said, and I came back and I was inspired by listening to the pizza cookery owner mm -hmm. and BSF Fitness. And I, I just said, you know, they want to take everything from you and they want you to take the rest. They want you to take your life. They have no interest in you. 
and you're discouraged. You have no courage. Dis means the absence of. And I said to be encouraged is this idea of what you've heard today. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. What you do is essential. What you do matters. Give it to God. Stand, stand in courage. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And, and don't listen to the lie of the enemy that you're not essential. And, and you could just see the change in her countenance by the encouragement of others standing. And there's hundreds, if not thousands, of business owners in this state in the same predicament. They've lost everything. And, and the shepherds of this state, come on, Jurgen, they got to stand. I mean, I, I'm patient. Love hopes all things. I love my brothers out there. I, I, I love my fellow shepherds. But at this point, it is bordering on complicit because we know the data and we're watching the hypocrisy. And at this point, I would almost say that they're without excuse. I agree. I agree. Would you would you close us in prayer for them and for the hurting? Yeah, I'd be honored to. Thank you. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that uh, you spoke to Joshua three times in Joshua chapter one to be strong and courageous, to be strong and very courageous, to be very strong and very courageous. And Lord, I just know that Father, we have a generation that has that has gotten drunk on the, the gospel of grace and lost all courage, lost all virtue and lost all strength. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for, for pastors like Ron that, that have stood up when no one else was standing, that stood up and says, I will be Joshua to my generation. I'm going to be strong in my conviction, strong in my resolve. I'm going to have courage. I'm going to go with what the Bible says rather than what man says. And Father, I know it's inspired us. And I know there are pastors beginning to stand up. But I pray for every pastor, every shepherd yes, in Lord. California, right around America, that they would yes. say enough is enough. Amen. That they would push back on this tyranny. That they would push back on this wickedness. Yes. That they would say that we serve a different government. In the book of Isaiah, it says that the government will be upon Jesus' shoulders and the increase shall know no end. The government that we serve is the government of Jesus Christ. We are, we are citizens of heaven, servants of the Most High God. And our job, our assignment, our mission that he gave us was thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we push back on those who resist the will of God, the purposes of God and the kingdom of God in the earth. And I pray, Father, for strength that every shepherd would rise up and say, you know what? My job is to put strength, courage and hope back in my community that I am here for the community. I'm here for those who are, who are devastated whose business have been shattered, whose hopes have been shattered, whose dreams have been violated. I am here to put the vision, the hopes, the faith, and the dreams back on the inside of our people. Father, bless. Reach out your hand. Raise these mighty men and mighty women up again. Let the, the church's voice return. Let us not be silent. Let us not be like the hundred prophets in the days of Elijah, 50 to a cave, subsisting on bread and water in exchange for their silence. Let that not be our church. We are not going to subsist. We will be Elijah to our generation, refusing to go quietly into the night. Thank you for Pastor Rob. Thank you for this great program. Thank you for this great podcast. Thank you for all that he does. Bless him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. You are awesome. <laughs> That's great. And I know I know you get asked all over the, the country and the world to speak, but you got you gotta give me a Sunday sometime. The folks <laughs> need to hear from you. You were one of you were one of the most Amazing preachers I've had the privilege to hear. And I mean that. I don't say that lightly. You are a great preacher. Mm -hmm. 
You're so kind. We love you. We can't wait you back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Jurgen. Give everybody a hug there and uh, tell Awaken that uh, their family in, in Thousand Oaks loves them. And we're so grateful for all of you. And thanks for blessing everyone tonight on such short notice. And we pray for the healing for your wife. For your thank ear. you. We love you. Thank you so much, both of you, what you do, who you are. God bless you. See you, Jurgen. Bless you. That these guests that are so impactful that have the stories of either the father or direct ones of socialism and, con- yeah. and they're and they're they're laying out the path that has happened in these other countries and they're saying, "Look at this! Look at this! Look at this!" If you can't listen to that and be impacted, it, it's it, it's incredible. Everywhere I traveled when I went with Charlie and we would run into somebody who had escaped Cuba, somebody who had escaped the Soviet Union or the Soviet bloc. Uh, they would come up and they would they would just be so adamant that you would hear what they had to say. They were they were warning you. And and as we've had Joseph Bondarenko share, mm-hmm. it's one of the most viewed Sunday services. They know this stuff, and and it's happening at light speed before your eyes. Write me off, dismiss me, but you can't say you weren't told. And and as Christians, it's it's important that we start standing in opposition to this tyranny. And everyone's voice has to get louder. You don't have the luxury anymore of being apathetic or silent. You need to stand up and push back. Visit the, the stores, the small business owners. Go in and love on them. Go in and take out a $500 gift certificate if you can afford it and just rip it up and say, thank you for blessing me all these years. Mm-hmm. Get them through these hard times. Let them survive uh, in defiance of this tyranny. Let's keep them alive. Let's push back on our elected representatives with a doctrine of lesser magistrates that they push back on the governor, that they protect the community and the constitution they swore to defend. Folks, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and it's our right and our duty. They've infringed, and enough is enough. The hypocrisy's got to end, and we've got Thanksgiving coming up. And if you're discouraged, if you're discouraged, if you're absent of courage, thankfulness will restore that. You give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Keep your eyes on Him, the author and finisher of your faith. Allow His Word to once again be open. Dust it off and re-examine it and return to the principles and the truths there in that Scripture. That you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. No weapon fashioned against you will stand. That God is the author of liberty. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. That's all scriptural. And it's, it's time you revisit it and stand upon those truths. No more cowardice. No more fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound, ta- sound mind. That's in Timothy. All of those are waiting. Just open it up. Dust it off. And go back to the truth. And that truth will set you free. The fear will be gone. The discouragement will be gone. And it will be replaced with encouragement and, and fearlessness. And you'll see. The lion that's roaring and threatening you, when you stand on the promises of God, where He calls you to stand, they're going to roar loud. But they'll lose their taste for human flesh, just like they did with Daniel in the lion's den. Hmm. Open the window, pray out loud, take your mask off, go to church, enjoy Thanksgiving, and be safe. Safe, wash your hands. This is the equivalent of a flu. You can write me off. Say, I don't know, but look at the statistics. What happened? What happened to the flu? Numbers yeah. have precipitously dropped. Yep. The lowest we've had in probably recent history. Yeah. Well, you know, come to church and 
I get the blessing of some of the spillover of people coming up to me and their uh, small business owner has brought 30 people up from Ventura and their lives have been changed yeah. and they've uh, accepted Christ and their stories are amazing. We've had hundreds of people yeah. come to Christ. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. And that's that's live where you get to disciple them, minister to them. That's not over an internet and in, in the distant. And there's folks out there that you've connected with us. I'm not dismissing that, but I'm saying the power of going to a church that's open and being encouraged. And being encouraged. Yeah. And and to and to see and be strengthened by that fellowship, that ecclesia of the assembly and the gathering of the saints. And I, I would also add that there's immunity in community. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, it's Sunday night. I'm out of energy. I'm tapped. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow night. We have Sean A. Anderson, Dr. Sean A. Anderson. We're going to take a look at some of the major issues at this county, this city, and the state, and even the nation, uh, what we're facing. We're going to look at some numbers. I'm going to put some things together because none of these government officials want to talk about those things. They just talk about number of cases. Number of cases. Death hasn't changed in 14 days in the county. Hospitals aren't overrun. Plenty of ventilators. Oh, but the cases. The cases. Uh, uh, we're testing like crazy. Yeah, we're testing like crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you were yeah. supposed to average 150 tests a day. We're over 400. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Dr. Levin wants us to test even asymptomatic. Yeah. We've got to find every case, positive case out there. Yeah. As though, I mean, what other virus have we ever measured by positive cases? We've never done that. We've never done that. And yet, this is the way that they're manipulating. And folks, we we have to push back. Folks are suffering out there. And we have to do something about it. So be encouraged. Stand up. You're a conqueror. Don't cower in this time. Stand. Tell your pastors to stand. They know. They'll do it. You tell them. I'm with you. Bless them. Encourage them. And then we'll see you tomorrow night. I want to bless you with number six, that the Lord would bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up your countenance and may he lift up his countenance upon you, excuse me, and give you peace. The idea is he's got you covered. Just keep your eyes on him. And I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread. You got nothing to lose if you've given it to God first. You're okay. Now go get them. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow night.